All right, we're recording. I got a question for you this morning. A couple of questions. Why do we give? Why do we give of our time, of our money, of our talents, anything that we deem ours, and we donate part of our resources, whatever they may be, why do we give them to others? What's the point in giving to others. More importantly, maybe, what's our motivation to give to others? I came from a church in Florida that certain people wanted to make sure that their name was in the bulletin any time that they gave to any project or, or whatever the church was attempting to raise money for. It was so others might see that they were giving and that they would be inspired to give as well. That was their rationale. They didn't matter. They didn't mind anybody to hear it either. That's just how they did it. Honestly, I, I think the only people who didn't see through that was that particular couple. We all knew what they were doing. Look how much we gave. In essence, is what they're saying. Was that thought in their heart? Well, only they could have answered that, and I, I never asked them. I must say though that if there was a project. Uh, that needed to be to raise money for or, or a young fledgling church that needed help. Even the projects like Camp Joy. Boy, could that church give money. There was no questions asked. If something was needed for the church, a hearing aid system, for instance, we had one person who gave, who happens to be in this room today, because she knew how important it was, not only for her, but for others who couldn't hear as well in worship. But there was never a make sure you put my name in the bulletin so others will be inspired by what I've done and they'll want to give as well. It was a simple get what you have to get and here's the money for it. If you need more, let me know. Two extremely opposite ways of giving. Both got the job done. You, you cannot doubt that whatsoever. The money was used effectively to glorify and honor God, which was the desired result in both instances. But was it necessary to let everyone know who did it? Another heart situation, I suppose. All well intended, I know, but which would you say was the more favored way in God's eyes? Now, I understand that is a judgmental question, okay? So you don't necessarily have to give an answer for it. The folks are not here to defend themselves or their actions. But the opinion by most in the church was that some wanted to be noticed while others just wanted to help the church and glorify and honor God in the process. <clears throat> Here's another one for you. And I'm guilty of this whenever I give to certain organizations. I'll note, though, that on some occasions, I do not give to some of these well-intentioned organizations, okay? Kind of a little editorial note right there. Maybe some of this fits you, I don't know. You ever feel guilty walking by a red can outside a local store? You know, cans that are out there for you to drop money in before and after you bought your groceries or maybe, hint, hint, your Christmas gifts. And you put your head down, not wanting to make eye contact. And in those words, Merry Christmas, as the person is shivering himself to death. And he keeps ringing that infernal bell. Do you drop money 
into that big red can? What's your attitude when you do it? Or is there another? Here's one for you. This one is a little easier to say no to because you can always change the channel or go get a snack if you so choose. Somebody's singing a sad song while poor kids are walking around with these saucer-sized and saucer-shaped brown eyes. Always brown eyes. And they want, to give, they want you to give $20 a month. Yes, that's only 65 cents a day. A cup of coffee to feed this poor kid. Or the one that advertises pets. Again, with huge brown eyes. Does it bother me that so many children are, are doing without? Or that pets are starving to death or are being beaten senseless or senselessly? Sure it does. Absolutely it does. But then I remember where somewhere I read that maybe only 20 cents on the dollar actually makes it to these kids and to these animals. The rest is being used for overhead. Overhead meaning somebody is making a nice living pulling the heartstrings on the average person who's simply trying to do something right. Now what do you think about these examples that I just gave you? Are those things that you would do? Or maybe think through before you gave at any time to one thing or another? Well, this particular passage reminds me of another kind of similar in nature to this. And it's found in Luke 12, 41 through 44. We included that passage in our reading for this morning. And Mark, we see how many folks who were well-to-do gave a lot of money. How do we know that? Well, Jesus and the disciples were standing some distance away from the coffers that were gathering the funds for the temple treasury. This was a a common thing that was done during the week of Passover especially. Some of this money was for funds over and above the taxes that were collected each and every year by people that they could get money from. Again, Jesus was nearby, but there was some distance from the coffers between Him and them. Okay, However... He could see how many of those who were giving were doing it, how they were doing it. Might have been the way I used to put coins in the plate in church. You ever remember doing this as a kid? Dropping coin after coin, one at a time, into the plate, about that high above the plate. So when the coin hit, it would bang, bang, bang. But everyone in the church knew exactly how much you were giving. I can envision these well-to-do folks dropping their money into the baskets, not so much to make noise like I did, but so people could see how much they were actually giving. Almost like in slow motion, one at a time. So people who walked by could ooh and ah over how much they were giving, and they'd be impressed. Then there was the poor widow who came by. Offered what she had to live on, roughly two copper coins, maybe one penny in our our day and time. Maybe even worth less than that, I would suppose. I can envision here this humble lady dropping her two coins in the basket and moving on quickly to go on for the rest of her day. She came to give what she could. That was her purpose. And she did it with a humble heart. Then she moved on. Moved on to finish her day with no money. You may have done this. Uh, one passage here that um, 
one in Matthew talks about how we give. The other in Mark talks about where the heart is in terms of how much we give. But there's a common denominator here between these two passages, in my opinion. Where is the heart in both of these passages? Is it all about how much you give? Is it about letting others know that you gave this much? Maybe you're able to give a bit more than you normally would for for whatever reason. Why are you doing it? Are you doing it out of a sense of duty? Almost dreading giving so much, knowing that you really should give it. You shouldn't feel that way, but you do anyway. Do you give out of a sense of joy? Knowing that you are going to be able to help someone else that just might need that help desperately at that particular moment. But not expecting anything in return. There's another thought in and of itself. Not expecting anything in return when you give. Maybe you could let the rest of everyone know how much you gave so they could give accordingly. Kind of like the... Be the leader for everybody else so that they knew how much you gave. So we ought to give as much too, don't you think? Again, I ask you, where is your heart in all of this? Now, the question has to be asked, does how I give make that much difference? It's a good question, I think. Look at Matthew 5, 16. It says to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good deeds and that they too will praise their Father in heaven. Like couple number one did, okay? But look closely at Matthew 6, verse 2. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. Like the person in our example, they were quiet in their giving, needing the world not to know what they had done. Like example number two. That which is done here on earth for one's own honor or personal gain may get the job done. But God will have rewarded you here on earth. I mean, it's okay to feel good about what you've done. You may receive accolades from a particular group for your work in a particular field. But if it's not done with a humble heart, well, you got your reward now instead of later. Don't give with trumpets blaring. We might know it as blowing your own horn. In other words, making sure everyone around you knows that you are giving, and even worse, who you are helping. In Jesus' day, without welfare, voluntary charity and donations from those more well-to-do were able to, were taken to help the poor and the indigent. This was part and parcel of how people were able to get along back then. It was not a well-to-do, affluent culture that they lived in back then. A lot of people had very little money. The widow, for instance, giving the two copper coins of roughly one penny. That that was not above average. This was about average for back then. Farmers, not so much socially and all, but some folks were not able to take care of their family in the ways that they should be able to. Farmers, for instance would leave the outer ring of their crops up. They would not uh, reap them, but they would leave them up for one specific purpose. 
It was, it was kind of a common courtesy, if you will, and it was also to keep the poor from having to be put in jail. So there was a practical end of it as well. So you never know when you might need food and not be able to have it. You could go to a place like that and be able to get a little bit for your family and move on. Or if you happen to be traveling and you had no food, it's the same sort of thing. But now get this. That could even be rich folks. You ever thought about that? There ain't no restaurants out on the roads back then, you know. You didn't have a jack-in-the-box or anything along the, uh, the Jerusalem Highway or anything along like that. So if, even if you had a whole lot of money, if you didn't have food, you were still hungry just like everybody else. So you would need that assistance as well. Don't let your left hand know what the right hand's doing. In other words, do your giving in a quiet, non-showy way. Don't bring light to yourself because you helped someone who was not in a good financial position as you. Not only are you blowing your own horn or encouraging others to, to blow your, their, horn, their horn for you, but in this case, you're making someone perhaps feel even worse about their situation. And I can tell you, when you're down like that and people just keep pushing you down further and further, doing good deeds for you and letting you know how good they are, it only makes matters worse. But let me ask you a question. We want to give to the church to help further the kingdom of God, right? I mean, that's, that's what we want to do, all right? We're encouraged to tithe, to give back to the Lord a portion of what He's given us, right? We see historically tithes were expected to be given to help maintain an area of drought, as we see in Nehemiah 12. Or in times of worship, as we see in Numbers 18 and in Numbers 28. Tithes of animals, of grain, and other things that were produced. Things that, in essence, God had given them to grow and produce to be able to give back to help others. And that's the bottom line here. But back to my question. You're in a sizable church some 50 years ago. And yes, I know, Kirk, that weeds out a whole bunch of people in here. Thank you for the reminder, though. Maybe even longer, okay? I mean, you're really old, all right? Church is needing a new organ or maybe a new fellowship hall or, or perhaps maybe a, a, an addition to the sanctuary, something along those lines. And they need a whopping total of $50,000. Now, I know that's not much now. That's pocket change probably for a lot of you all, but that was major bucks back in the day. Any amount was going to be appreciated, but to any and all that could give more than the usual pittance the average family might be able to give, you could have a plaque on one of those pews of your choice in that new sanctuary. Maybe, maybe even it was a, a, a fundraiser for stained glass windows. And your family's name could be put on one of those stained glass windows. I mean, think about that. Your family will always be recognized when folks walk in there. Won't that be cool? Quite honestly, when we were attending First ARP, and my wife still does, don't, don't, let's not go there. I, I, would, I would look at the stained glass windows in that sanctuary and I'd wonder who all those folks were who had donated all that money to have their names put on those windows. Point there was, I was looking at the windows instead of paying attention to the sermon. 
The exact reason some of our church forefathers were against having anything noticeable in the sanctuary. Getting back to our passage, Jesus' words here were this. Don't try to show off your piety or your good deeds. Let your actions be your actions, if that makes sense. Don't look for a pat on the back because you're doing exactly what you were supposed to be doing as a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, does that mean that we're to blush and maybe look down and look all humble and all that kind of stuff when somebody um, talks about your good deeds and bring them to a public acknowledgement? My suggestion, be humble and thankful, knowing that if God had not put you in the position to have the financial wherewithal or whatever the talent that you might have had to have had, you would not have been able to do it that day anyway. So you better know who the author of your talent is and give Him the glory rather than taking it for yourself. Ideally, we should not put our actions or our deeds out there for anyone to go out of the way to notice them. Doesn't mean we should be irresponsible in our giving or or what we do for the church and God's kingdom work. We just shouldn't be motivated in our giving to the church or to the world to receive accolades for what we do or what we give. Even having our name on a list of contributions to a, a good cause, whatever that cause might be, could be interpreted as taking glory away from God by our name being recognized and God's name not. When you look at it like that, it kind of puts a different light on it, what we do and how we do it, doesn't it? And that's the point to the sermon this morning. Getting you to think differently when you give or when you assist in some good cause in the community or in the church. Knowing that we cannot do things for the right reasons on our own anyway, okay? When we get the accolades, God does not get the glory that He should. We'll see over the next few weeks exactly what Jesus is talking about and how we should be thinking when we do these particular things. The other topics we're going to be looking at in the coming weeks is going to be prayer and fasting. Today, though, is simply our giving to help the needy. Those are called acts of righteousness in verse 1 of our reading. English Standard says practicing your righteousness. Ideally, praying and fasting, we'll see, are done pretty much with good intent. Giving, on the other hand, is not as firm in that respect, at least, anyway. I mean, anyone can give to the needy or to the community, maybe, maybe even to the church, with an evil or less than good intent. Maybe I should say a self-righteous intent, okay? As I said a minute ago, left on our own, we're not able to do anything good, for the right reasons, at least. Paul said it well, Romans 7, 19 and 20, when he said, For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it's the sin that dwells in me. Did you catch that? Verse 21, Romans 7, to paraphrase, when I want to do right, Evil is right there neck and neck with me. It isn't in our nature to do the right things because we simply want to do the right thing, okay? Ulterior motives 
are always close by. And these thoughts point us back to our need for Jesus Christ. We should give. We should pray. And we should fast in some form or another. But our motivation to do them should be to please God and not ourselves or others. Look closely in your heart and in your prayer time. Are you doing things to please God? Or are you doing things to please yourself? Are we here to pump up with uh, others up for, uh, with admiration for what they do, understanding that there's going to be a mutual admiration society, and at some point in time, they're going to have the opportunity to pump you up with admiration? Or is your admiration for God and glorifying Him, is that enough for you? These are questions that we each must answer quite often. What will your response be? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you once again for these lessons that are oftentimes harsh to hear because they attack our heart. They attack where we are. They attack our sometimes self-righteous intentions. And so we ask you, Father, would, we, would you help us to continue to look to you and let you be our guide as to how we give, how we do things in life. Help us to that end. We ask you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.